Welcome, friend. I hope you're well. You're listening to the Mr. X Dreams podcast, where I regale you with stories of all things paranormal. Now, whether these stories come from my listeners, my own personal and family experience, or fictional stories from my own imagination, all stories you'll hear here are written and performed by yours truly. Make sure you follow this podcast for countless journeys to come. If you're listening on a rating-supported platform, like Apple iTunes, a five-star review would be very much appreciated. If you have a scary story of your own, reach out at mr.xdreams54 at gmail.com. That's mr.xdreams54 at gmail.com. And share your story with me. You might even hear it on a future episode. Now, sit back, relax, and spend a moment or two here in my world. I'm Mr. X, and welcome to my dreams. This episode is a part of a series of my older recordings I did for the Mr. X Dreams YouTube channel. If you're listening to the podcast version, please excuse references to YouTube and subscribers and things like that. Consider it a relic of the past. If you're the type to prefer visuals along with your stories, I usually put artwork and motion graphics to go along with the experience. You can find those videos over at YouTube.com by searching Mr. X Dreams. We'll talk again soon. Hey Mr. X. My name is Shelly. After listening to some of your Glitch in the Matrix videos, I finally realized I had a place to share my experience with people who wouldn't immediately write me off. When I was a child, around seven years old, my parents took me on a vacation to North Carolina. Being from the Midwest, we would always fantasize about spending all day at a beautiful beach somewhere. So naturally, that was one of the main things we wanted to do on the trip. My memory leading up to the event is so vivid. We arrived at the beach, all bubbling with excitement. I was wearing a bright blue life jacket over my bathing suit. I ran straight to the edge of the water to start digging for little crabs buried in the sand. My parents came and picked me up, telling me to get in the water with them. My mom held one of my hands, and my dad held the other. I was still small enough to do that thing kids do, where they lift their feet up and suspend themselves between their two parents. They swung me back and forth playfully as we made our way deeper into the water. I kicked my feet in and out of the waves, having an absolute ball. Suddenly, a particularly strong wave slammed us. My parents were unprepared. I guess they didn't see it coming. Before I could react, even before I could feel the fear of danger, I was ripped away from both of them and sent hurling under the tide. I remember the sound of the ocean and the queasy feeling of being completely bowled over by a wall of water, totally unable to fight against it. It all happened so quickly. A few seconds into the terrifying experience, I got the distinct feeling of a hand grabbing the back collar of my life jacket and sharply yanking me back. My body glided through the water for a moment before, well, everything changed. The next thing I knew, my parents were walking side by side with me again. We were all dry and about 20 feet away from the water's edge. My young mind unable to comprehend what exactly was going on, I simply asked my parents, what happened? They had no idea what I was talking about. With the wave, I said. You were swinging me in the water, 
and I fell out of your hands. Someone pulled me up. No, we haven't even been in the water yet, sweetie. You must have been dreaming. Now, Mr. X, I've never been one to nap, even as a girl, and especially not when I was on a super fun vacation at the beach that I've been waiting for all year. The thing that hurts the most is that even at the young age of seven, I was completely adamant that I had been through something that was totally unexplainable. It's been over 20 years since then, and I've always known that what I went through was real. It was unmistakable. Did I experience a glitch in the matrix? Did someone or something save me? Could whatever it was have been the reason why my family couldn't remember what happened? It's always so easy to write off what a child says as being in their imagination, but I honestly believe, I know, I saw what I saw. I've never had another moment like that in over 20 years since, and I believed it from the moment it happened. It was never even a question in my mind. Anyway, thank you for taking the time to read this. Shelley. Dear Mr. X, My name is Jim, and I have a story for you. No cryptids or monsters in this one, just a glitch. Something happened to me many years ago that, to this day, I cannot explain. I was a freshman in high school. Every so often I'd walk home instead of waiting in line for the buses. It was a pretty long walk, but if the weather was nice out, it was actually enjoyable. One day, I was walking home and came to a local bridge. It's important to note that this bridge goes up and down at a somewhat steep angle. It's not flat and level between the two roads it connects. It's more like a hump. I was about halfway across the bridge when I heard the sound of a car coming up behind me. As most people probably do, I felt that instinctual need to get as close to the guardrails of the bridge as I could to avoid getting in the way of the oncoming car. A few seconds later, a large black luxury car drove past me. I was already looking in that direction to see what the car looked like, so I got a pretty good view of it. I immediately noticed that there was no one in the driver's seat. It took a second for this to register in my mind as just being wrong. I guess I just wasn't expecting to see what I saw. Remember, this was several years ago, long before self-driving cars were really a thing. Even the modern ones have sensors and equipment attached in order to help the cars navigate. This was just a regular car driving with no one inside. I also don't think it could have been in neutral, because I could hear the engine revving to get it over the hump, just like anyone driving on the bridge normally would. As the car passed me, I got a look at the license plate. It was there, but it had no letters or numbers printed on it. I wondered how in the world this car could have been cruising around and not get pulled over with a plate like that, let alone the fact that no one was driving it. I watched it, almost in awe as the vehicle turned smoothly into a side street close to my neighborhood. I never took my eyes off of it. I decided, perhaps against my better judgment, to follow the car and see what its deal was. I walked down the road it took until I got to where it was parked. It just stopped in the middle of the road a couple of blocks in. I kept my gaze locked on it the whole time. As I got closer, I heard the engine shut off and saw the headlights turn off as well. I was so confused by that point. 
I absolutely had to figure out what the hell was going on with this thing. I walked right up next to it. The first thing I noticed was how incredibly clean it was. Both the outside and inside of the vehicle were totally pristine. Not even a single speck of dust anywhere as far as I could see. The car was completely empty of any personal items, as if it was brand new off the lot. I could see a key plugged into the ignition, and all the doors were locked. What I could not see was any indication of the make or model of the car. There were no logos or branding anywhere, not even on the tires. For some reason, that's what weirded me out just enough to get me to leave the whole thing alone. I turned around and started walking back up the street. A few paces away, about 20 feet, I turned back to look again, and the car was gone. There hadn't been a single sound outside of my own footsteps and the ambient noises of the neighborhood. The car never turned back on, nor did it drive away. I'm sure of it. I ran back to the spot where the car had been and found a normal 8 by 11 sheet of printer paper on the ground. I picked it up and turned it over, revealing a printed image of the car that was just there moments earlier. I dropped the paper and ran home as fast as I could, unsure of what in the world I had just witnessed, but not really caring to find out any more. I know most people would probably chalk this up to the imagination of some kid, but I'm telling the truth. I can't explain it, but this is what happened to me many years ago. Thanks for listening. Jim Greetings, friends. Thank you to Shelly and Jim for reaching out to me and sharing these stories with us. I know these were a bit shorter than usual, but I wanted to get something interesting out to you today, and I've been extremely short on time. By the way, if you like Glitch in the Matrix stories, not only do I have a few more available on my channel, I also have a design on my Teespring storefront that pays homage to this subject matter. It's a pretty cool design if I do say so myself. Go on over to my Teespring and check it out if you're interested. If you want that or any of my other designs on a shirt or hoodie or even a mug or pillow, make sure you send me a picture of yourself wearing or using it, and you'll be featured in an upcoming video with some upgraded eyes just like mine. So let's talk about these stories, and then I'll let you in on what's been going on behind the scenes in my little world. So, as many of you may know, especially my old school followers, I myself had a very intense experience with a glitch in the matrix back in my youth. I made a video about it and a, a few others which I'll link in the description down below. So I definitely empathize with both Shelly and Jim. In Shelly's story, the first thing I wondered was something she herself asked me in her original email. Who or what was it that saved her? To feel a hand grab and pull you from danger is one thing. Normally, you would think she would just end up being safely on shore and her parents would still be in the water or something like that. However, she wasn't just simply pulled to safety. She experienced some kind of time jump to what may have been several minutes into the past. Just as interesting though, and this is something I thought of as I was um, writing this story, what if she was actually seeing into the future and never physically went through the near drowning event? If you were having a premonition as a child, how would you be able to tell the difference between the seen world and the real world? Very fascinating stuff to ponder. 
Many people would probably attribute her rescue to an angel or another supernatural being. If that were the case, I wonder why she was saved. It's another question that may never be answered. As for Jim's story, a concept I've been thinking a lot about lately may apply. I've often thought of the idea that sometimes things in this possible matrix reality of ours fail to load or render properly. Perhaps an object renders a second too late, or it renders incompletely. It could look hilarious when seen in a video game, for example. If you've ever seen those videos where characters show up with their face missing and there's just an eye, a set of eyes and teeth, looks crazy, but what if that happened in real life? It could be much more difficult to make out. I would like to assume that um, the programming of our world simulation is a little bit more complex than Assassin's Creed or Skyrim. A dog or a cat pops into the middle of your view in broad daylight, or a car spawns without a driver, is noticed by the system, and then just disappears. I cannot fathom an explanation for the printed photo of the car, though. Very interesting stories indeed, in my opinion. Let me know your theories in the comments down below. Now on to the news I have for you all. I know my video releases and live streams have been uh, a little sparse lately, but that's because I've been working very hard on some new content for you all. I've been inspired in recent months by some of my colleagues here on YouTube. Creators like Mr. Black Pasta, Mr. Davis, and Stephanie Swan Quills, even my boy Axeman Cartoons, and I've begun working on some fresh new content. Things that you've never seen before, formats and subject matter that are going to be shown to you in some different ways, ways that you're not accustomed to. And I'm very, very excited about that. The first big project I've been working on has become a monumental undertaking with basically a 24-page script, at least 10 different characters, and multiple settings. And I'm probably going to have about 150 original sound effects that I have to create and master. And um, I'm also going to be playing a major character, so I'm going to sound a little bit different. And uh, actually everyone involved, all the YouTubers you might have, uh, you probably have heard of before, even a couple of newcomers such as a former fan turned colleague, Raven Lavina, and uh, a new favorite of mine, Ghost Mummy. I also have several listeners from among my beloved subscribers old-school supporters who have shown a lot of love to my channel and, and uh, support. I gave them some cameo roles that um, I'm sure they'll all be excited to hear. They're, and so far, it's all coming along really well. But everybody's going to be pushed to their limits of actual voice acting. Not narration, but voice acting. And that's a very different ball game. And we're all, uh, we're all doing our best with that. But I think... I think we can pull it off. I have every faith that we will. And it's it's going really well so far. So wish me luck with that. If you want to know what the progress is looking like for that, just follow me on Twitter. Anyway, friends, I hope this year has been treating you well so far. Love you guys. I'm Mr. X, and may your nights be full of dreams. Oh, and by the way, these glitch stories show that there are some serious bugs in our reality. If you hear this message, 
include the word bug, or some variation thereof, in your comment down below. Later. Hey, Mr. X. My name is Abel. So I just spent about an hour and a half typing out my story for you, only to have my computer freeze. Ironically, I'm writing to you about a glitch in the Matrix, and my computer happens to glitch, making me start the whole thing over. Anyway, I'll tell you about the bizarre events that I've gone through during my travels across the USA. I want you to know that these things really bother me up to this day, so I very much appreciate the opportunity to get it off my chest. It's a bit of a long story, I hope you don't mind. Some years ago I decided to hitchhike from Washington to Vegas, down Interstate 5 and up I-15. Looking back, I realize this is one of the dumbest things I've ever done, especially since I couldn't manage to get a ride until I was well into Southern California. Nevertheless, it seemed like a cool idea at the time. Starting in Lakewood, Washington, early February, I walked down I-5 with my thumb out pretty much the whole way. It took me roughly a week and a half to make it to Portland, Oregon, where I promptly had my backpack taken away from me and thrown into a river. Gotta love crazy drug addicts. As I'm sure you would have guessed, my morale went downhill pretty fast after that. Forty miles later, my pants were chafing me so bad I started bleeding from places you're really not supposed to. I ended up having to stuff my underwear with toilet paper from a gas station off the highway. Believe it or not, this is where the weird stuff really begins. When I made it to Salem, Oregon, I found a homeless shelter I could stay at for some R&R, &R, which I desperately needed. The place was actually not that bad. Nice people running it and the homeless people staying there were unusually pleasant and friendly. Within minutes of walking in, I came across this guy, whom I'll refer to as Polly, who made it his absolute mission to outfit me with new clothes and shoes after seeing how badly my current setup was stained with dirt and blood. The shoes I had on were worn down to the point of uselessness. I stayed in the shelter for about four days, after which I felt ready to continue my journey. On the morning of the fifth day, I had a quick cigarette with Polly before thanking him and bidding him farewell. Now, I brought along a cheap analog watch to keep track of the time and date. I noted that it was about 7.45 when I left the home, and I made it to the interstate to pick up where I left off at around 8.30. The day was uneventful. I walked all day and into the night, eventually deciding to get some rest in a ditch off the side of the road. When I woke up the next morning, I was confused. I realized I wasn't sleeping on grass anymore. I was in a bed. As I rubbed my eyes, I saw the familiar latticework of metal bars, the underside of the bunk bed in the homeless shelter in Salem. As you'd expect, I was pretty worried. I have been known to have my share of vivid dreams, so it wasn't crazy to assume I had dreamt the whole day away. However, I checked my watch, and I was shocked to find out that a whole day really had passed after the day I thought I left. That was weird. I hunted down Polly and asked him what I did the day before, just on a hunch. According to him, I said goodbye, I took three steps and then sat down on the sidewalk. He said I just sat there all day without moving. At that point I was definitely creeped out. I couldn't imagine sitting there and daydreaming the whole day, but as far as I could tell, Polly had no reason to lie to me. Polly gave me another cigarette as I contemplated what in the world happened. I didn't light it. I figured I was going to need it on the road anyway. I told Polly I was leaving again and set off down the road, toward the interstate. 
I was walking for only a few minutes when I suddenly found myself lying in bed. Again. Now, this wasn't like the last time. I didn't pass out or fall asleep. This was just eyes open, marching toward the highway, blink and I'm in the bed. Now, I was really confused. I ran outside and saw Polly smoking his morning cigarette. I was struggling to hold it together as I questioned him. What did I do? He said I did the same exact thing I'd done yesterday. Walked over and sat down on the sidewalk. I started to panic. I figured maybe someone was messing with me in my sleep. I didn't even really want to entertain the thought long enough to imagine what someone might have been doing to me. This time, I didn't even say goodbye or take the cigarette Polly offered me. I just booked it to the interstate as fast as I possibly could. I ran and ran, even as my body screamed at me to stop, wanting to succumb to sheer exhaustion. I kept running. Thinking back on it, I must have looked like a straight-up crazy person. Eventually, I just collapsed and closed my eyes. When I opened them again, you can guess where I was. I didn't bother saying anything at all to Polly. I knew what he would say in response. Instead, I went outside and jumped straight into the path of an oncoming truck. I can still feel the truck crushing my bones under its massive weight whenever I think back to that moment. Do you want to guess what happened next? This pattern continued for more days than I cared to keep track of. It was at least two or three weeks. No matter what I did, I would just wake up in the same shelter. After a while, I simply gave up and tried my best to live the same day again and again. One day, though, Polly randomly mentioned that Salem was hosting its very first hemp fest. Having been a big supporter and user of cannabis throughout my life, if you couldn't already tell, I decided I would at least try to go. No telling if I'd get there before waking up in my bed again, but I figured what the hell, why not? A little cannabis might even help me brainstorm a way out of this damn glitch. I did make it there, and it was a pretty good time. A couple of free joints, and I even got on stage to talk about the benefits of hemp. I also met a very nice woman, whom I'll call Hannah. I walked around with her, checking out exhibits and playing games. She entered a raffle and won a plastic guitar. We ended up sitting at a table, and I mumbled something about this day being the first good thing to come from this crazy loop. She was obviously puzzled, but also appeared to be a little intrigued. After I asked her not to think I was crazy, I took a deep breath and went on a huge rant, telling her everything. She just sat there in silence, listening intently and occasionally nodding. By the time my explanation was done, the sun was setting and the festival was packing up. I figured she wouldn't believe me, but with sincerity in her voice, she said that she did. She even had a theory. She said she wondered if perhaps I was meant to be there for Hempfest. Maybe I was forced into returning to the same point until I went. She mentioned that if I wasn't there, maybe she wouldn't have played the raffle or won the guitar. People wouldn't have heard whatever I had to say about hemp. Those things might seem insignificant, but little things like that can make huge differences down the line. Her explanation was interrupted by the sound of a car horn. Her ride had showed up, so it was time for her to go. She promised me that she would go to the shelter the next day, and if I was there, she would pull me out of whatever trance I was trapped in with this loop, sitting on the sidewalk all day. She gave me a hug and left, leaving me at a complete loss for words. As night fell, I decided to continue my journey. I had to try. 
I made it to the highway and walked the rest of the night into the next day. I never woke up in Salem again. The loop was finally over. I kissed my hand and placed it on my forehead, thanking Hannah for everything. I know it sounds a bit silly, but it's a habit I have. The rest of my trip was just as boring as you would think, but I didn't mind. I was just glad to be done with whatever that was. So that's my story. I haven't spoken about it since Hempfest all those years ago. It still messes with my head from time to time. Thanks for listening, Mr. X. Your friend, Abel. Hi, Mr. X. My name's Bob. I've wanted to tell you about some of the strange events I've been through in my over 50 years of life. I'm not a man of many words, so I'll just get to it. In the late 1970s, during the Lebanon War, I was nine. Back then, kids had no sense of fear because we grew up around war. It was simply part of life. We used to collect shrapnel, shell casings, anything to do with spent munitions. One day, I found an intact artillery shell in the garden of my family's compound. I was so excited, and I picked it up and cradled it like a baby, carrying it towards my apartment. Most of the apartments on the ground floor were being used as a military base, so I was spotted by a soldier. His face went completely white when he saw me with the undetonated shell. Despite clearly being shaken, he calmly came up to me, took the shell, and carried it back outside to the compound, away from the homes. Oddly enough, I also have the memory of staring at the shell in my arms, before being enveloped in a bright light bursting out of it. That was the first time I remember escaping death, but it wasn't the last. Three different times I ended up under a car whilst riding my bike. Each time I got out with only a few scrapes on my knees. I'd been hit by a bus. I felt the wisp of bullets passing within inches of my head. On more occasions than I'd care to count, I'd been in my home as it was being riddled with shots from a 15 caliber machine gun, picture frames and furnitures exploding all around me. But I was never harmed. I'd fallen from a 200-foot cliff, survived being pulled out to sea and smashed into jagged rocks, not to mention literally dozens of serious car and motorcycle accidents. Finally, in 2010, I was poisoned. My girlfriend at the time found my limp body after 12 hours. I was barely breathing when she discovered me, but had flatlined by the time the ambulance got there. They were somehow able to bring me back with very little effort, and even the doctors couldn't figure out how I was still alive. I was poisoned by a sort of neurotoxin, but once I had been resuscitated, I was totally fine with no ill effects. I know you'll ask about who poisoned me and the circumstances surrounding the events, but I hope you understand when I say I don't like talking about it. Just know that I don't think it was intentional. At least, I hope not. I could go on and on with the near-death experiences, but you get what I mean. I also have interactions with people from the world which I cannot explain. For example, I might be walking upstairs in my home, Here's someone called to me. Then, when I look to see them, suddenly I'm back at the bottom of the stairs. I often know when people are going to call me or pay me a visit. I would even have these intense episodes of repeating deja vu. I always seem to know when most people are lying, 
and have a highly accurate sense of what the truth is. When someone lies to me, it's almost confusing because I know the truth of the matter so clearly, as if I've somehow lived that truth before. Having so many bizarre experiences in my life has become very tiring, to be honest. I see so many patterns in the world every day, but also have a frustrating inability to interpret them. Many things that go through my mind just pass along unnoticed until it's too late for me to do anything about it, if that makes any sense. It's like I constantly get important clues about the future or about a situation I see developing, but my mind is far too slow or unfocused to be able to put them together and take meaningful action in time. I hope this makes sense to you, Mr. X. Lord knows it doesn't to me. I often wonder if there's something wrong with me. If I'm the only one like this. Thanks for listening. All the best. Bob. Greetings, friends. Mr. X Dreams here. First of all, I want to send a huge shout-out and thanks to my new friend Nature's Temper. One of my amazing subscribers recently suggested that I work with him and do a collab, and um, I'd never heard of him at the time, so I checked out his channel, and he's quickly become one of my top favorite YouTube narrators. He's extremely intriguing to listen to, and the stories that he chooses are top-notch. So, go ahead and pay his channel a visit and subscribe if you like what you hear. I'm sure you will. You can thank me later, because he's really good. I've got a link in the description, and there should be a link on the screen somewhere as well. And by the way, he just hit 50,000 subscribers, so congratulations to that. If you do go by his channel, make sure you tell him that Mr. Xtreme sent you. So, about the stories. Both Abel and Bob, their initial emails when, um... When they sent me their emails, it stood out to me as being very sincere. They both clearly believe what they're saying is true. They've had the experiences from their perspective that they're saying that they had. If you ask me anyway. Whenever I get an email saying, Hey, Mr. X, I've been through this or I've experienced this. I evaluate it in, in, in many different ways. And I, I kind of have a sense for when... Someone's just making things up and lying to me outright. And I can also tell when someone is genuinely believes what they're saying. And I feel that way with both of these gentlemen that told me about what happened to them. So as I was taking the information from these interviews that I conducted with Abel and Bob, I started to craft theories on what might have been going on. And that's what I'm about to talk about. If you are an old school subscriber or you watch a lot of the videos especially after the main story is done you already know what I'm about to do but you know every video is somebody's first video so I just want to make sure I touch on that every so often so people know what to expect so with Abel being stuck in a loop kind of a an unusual type of glitch but it to me it does qualify as a glitch in the matrix in, in that in that category of experiences so it, in my mind, it kind of raised a very complicated question of, of destiny. Hannah might have been right that somehow he was meant to go there to the hemp fest and have the, all the little interactions that, that he did have. Because every little thing, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with the butterfly effect where things can just ripple on down the line and end up making a much larger impact than one would imagine. As I was contemplating this story, I was wondering... I wonder if perhaps 
Polly was involved in the loop situation. I wondered if he was giving, at first I was wondering if maybe there was something funky in that cigarette that he gave him every day that would compromise his um, faculties and render him easier to manipulate. But there were some days where Abel never took the cigarette, so that kind of, that theory kind of went out the window. And I also wondered if perhaps Abel was dying and resetting back to a certain point. So just because he didn't initially experience that, that became more plausible to me when he mentioned that he jumped in front of a truck and he actually felt the truck hitting him so vividly that he still can remember it in great detail. So I really wonder, it's, it's a very perplexing uh, circumstance. So about Bob's story, there's a little bit more to that that I want to say. As I was writing the script for, to, to explain Bob's story, based on the back and forth interview, based on the back and forth interview that I conducted with him via email, I was thinking someone with that, those types of abilities could, if they were able to control them, the world could be a very different place if, with someone able to do those types of things recognize those patterns and make sense of them fast enough to be able to actually act upon them and change things or affect the world around them. Honestly, it makes me wonder where exactly does a person who's been through all that near death and possibly actual death and always comes back and also happens to have these weird precognitive skills, where do they fit in the framework of reality, what is there, if there's such a thing as people having purpose, what would be the purpose of a some of someone who has those abilities? It, it makes my mind go back to one of my favorite films of all time, it's in my top five, the movie Unbreakable by M. Night Shyamalan. The idea that there are certain people in the world that are meant to protect others, and people who are extremely difficult to kill, people who have extrasensory perceptive abilities. It's really, um, really interesting to me. Other theories I was thinking of were perhaps that he just has an extremely strong bond to, to life itself. Maybe a, an extremely strong bond between his spirit and his body, if there is such a thing. So, I'm not quite sure. This one is a little bit more iffy as far as whether it can be called a glitch, but every so often I get a story that the person themselves sees themselves as a kind of glitch. So it's not, not so much something weird happening in the environment, but they themselves are the weird thing that's happening in the world. And that's, to me, I know it can be difficult to exist in that way, but to me it's fascinating. Now there was a, there was the point of the phantom memory of the shell exploding that um it made me wonder if what if the version of him that exists in our world the one that emailed me is actually from another plane or dimension that somehow swapped consciousness or swapped bodies with an alternate version of himself who which which tragically did perish as a child when the the shell that he was holding went off a sad thought but it really makes you think that part also reminded me of a dream that i had where i was a member of the u.s secret service and there was a crisis going on like some kind of nuclear standoff 
So I was standing guard on the perimeter of the White House when I looked up and saw an explosion in the sky that was so bright. It burned my retinas away and enveloped everything in my world in, in an instant. And the strange thing is that, although I've died many times before in my dreams, in this time, because maybe in the, the sheer violence of, of that type of death, of dying in, the, in nuclear fire from, a, from being in close proximity to a nuclear explosion, rather than just die... I was instantly transferred into another totally different reality where I was in a jungle fighting a gorilla or something to that effect and I had to figure out the situation from there. I was just suddenly in a new world and everything changed in that very moment that I was wrapped in the fire of a nuclear sun. So it's things like these that give us hints to some of the more unexpected aspects of the universe. At least that's what I think. So, you know when you have a strong feeling or even a dream that something was going to happen and you don't say anything, you don't write it down, but then it happens and you have to accept that no one would have any reason to believe you. That's what I imagine it feels like for Bob, but it probably happens on a daily or weekly basis. If I ever, if I were you, and I try to do this myself, if I have a feeling that something's going to happen or if I or if I see something that seems to be prophetic in nature or something like that, I always try to write it down just in case it comes true so that I can then show someone else and say, hey, check this out. On this date, I wrote this down and then it happened. So I'm, I highly suggest that you um, do the same if, if, that's, if that's something that has plagued your, your thoughts and your uh, regrets at some time or another. Anyway, friends, I hope this message finds you well. I hope you're having a great day or night or whatever time it is where you're watching, and I hope you continue to stay safe. Until next time, my friends, I'm Mr. X, and may your nights be full of dreams. Oh, and by the way, I bet Abel got pretty dusty on his trip to Vegas. Today's code word is dusty. Work it into a comment down below so I can see you. Love you guys. Later. Hello again, my dreamers. Mr. X Dreams here. I wanted to thank you for listening to the Mr. X Dreams podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Like I said before, make sure you follow this podcast for countless journeys to come. Don't forget, if you can, please leave a five-star rating and review. It'd be very much appreciated, and it certainly helps out. If you feel I deserve it, that is. Also, if you have a scary story of your own to share, reach out to me at mr.xdreams54 at gmail.com. That's mr.xdreams54 at gmail.com. You might even hear it on a future episode of the show. Once again, thanks for listening, my friend. I hope you're well. Enjoy your day, night, weekend, or whatever's coming next. I wish you the best in all your endeavors. Until next time, I'm Mr. X and may your nights be full of dreams.